This is an RNZ podcast. And I guess my final important message is to thank uh, all of you, as I have before in the media, for the important role you have played over the last three months in supporting our collective efforts to keep the public informed, to ask the important questions and the hard questions, and to um, ensure that we are um, being held to account for answering those. Thank you very much, and I'm open now to further questions. That was the now familiar voice of Dr Ashley Bloomfield, the Director-General of Health, with some unfamiliar praise for the media. And that was a nice gesture from him for the members of the Parliamentary Press Gallery. They've been copping flack lately for their questioning of him during those daily televised press conferences, mostly from irritated members of the public who find them frustrating viewing and listening. But the political reporters have also been accused of failing to push Dr Bloomfield hard on the health system's performance under pressure or his decisions on moving between the restrictive alert levels. But they were certainly making things uncomfortable for Dr Bloomfield this past week and for the Prime Minister and the government. Yeah, this is the first time um, an Attorney-General's been summoned before a committee like this. Uh, he'll be a Solicitor-General, sorry. Uh, and uh, he'll be there with the Director-General of Health and the Police Commissioner because uh, what the uh, opposition wants to know is what legal advice did they get about this lockdown. And it goes back to those um, leaked papers that I uh, had from the police uh, last weekend. That was Barry Soper, political editor of News Talk ZB, on its drive show last Wednesday. And while he was at it, Barry Soper also said he was personally aggrieved about people being denied the chance to see dying and critically ill relatives, especially after the Prime Minister said on Tuesday that permission had been granted to 18 people when that wasn't so. Barry Soper also said the health system at a standstill would inevitably mean more deaths here than COVID-19 would claim because, he said, thousands of surgeries had been postponed, referrals from GPs were on hold and many hospital scans haven't been done during the lockdown. And that followed the Cancer Society's Dr Chris Jackson telling the Epidemic Response Committee this last Wednesday. There have been fewer scans, fewer skin biopsies, fewer colonoscopies, fewer endoscopies, fewer biopsies and fewer tests. And this means fewer cancers have been detected. The health system must now catch up or people will face delayed diagnosis and lives will be lost. And as the media followed up on that, Dr Bloomfield was also grilled this week about infected staff at Waitakere Hospital working with COVID and non-COVID patients. And News Hub's Michael Morrow revealed this week that staff there had complained fruitlessly about what they saw as unsafe rostering. And then on Friday... After the government released a pile of official documents about its national COVID-19 response, News Hub's political editor Tova O'Brien reacted like this on News Hub at 6. One thing that's not in this pile of documents is an email that was leaked to News Hub from the Prime Minister's office to all of her ministers, gagging them from speaking to the media. It says they're only allowed to provide brief written responses to the media, that the Prime Minister would have to approve and sign all of those off. It provides specific talking points to keep her ministers on message and get this it even says there is no need to defend the COVID response instead quote we can dismiss and quote do not put ministers up for interviews on this So plenty of examples then this past week of the media giving the government a rough ride. But at that briefing last Monday, political reporters were able to pass on the good news from Dr Bloomfield. No new cases for the first time since we were on the other side of the curve seven weeks ago. But Dr Bloomfield also wanted to get this message out to the public via the media. 
uh, we won't know if there will if there are other cases out there that might spring up. So I think um, it's it's the right um, position currently to keep everybody under the the level three. And Dr Bloomfield wasn't the only expert in the media this past week urging us to stay the course at level three for now. A leading infectious diseases expert says we need to stay under alert level three for a few more weeks. There have been more than a thousand police reports of people breaching lockdown restrictions since we shifted to level three. Otago University professor Michael Baker says we can beat COVID-19 if people stick to the rules. And then we're freed of all of the illness and death that we know comes with this pandemic. That was the AM show's news bulletin earlier on Monday. But the show's host, Duncan Garner, was no Level 3 enthusiast. I don't think Level 3 is working. Here's why. I think it might actually be worse than 4 because we had expectations of freedom. Uh, and no one really knows what they can do until they're pinged for it. So, so welcome to no man's land. I think it's worse for the economy. Uh, where some businesses are reading their own last rights to themselves in the mirror. For a nation that relies on confidence, I think we're fast losing it. And here's how I would describe us. Duncan Garner went on to describe us as a nervous teenager having a driving lesson, which was a bit confusing, and we'll spare you the details of that. But he went on to urge the Prime Minister to throw out the entire alert level system, and he was backed up on that by his co-host, Mark Richardson. But coming out of it, I think the alert level should be, should be um, thrown out. Can she stop feeding us the extremism now? We don't want to hear it. But when the Prime Minister popped up for her regular Monday morning interview on the AM show, she challenged Duncan Garner's qualifications to make that call. And all the international experts are saying that this is going to be the new normal for months and months and months. What are we waiting for? I didn't realise you were an epidemiologist. Congratulations on your new qualifications, Duncan. If you want to get personal, that's fine, Um, but I'm just asking the question. However, Duncan Garner did have one expert in his corner on his show that morning. Um, I'm on board with this um, position. Joining us now to explain is Auckland University Professor of Medicine, Des Gorman. Des, um, g'day and good morning. It's going to be like this. So what's the point of this alert level system now? Oh, it's a very good question. I think we're going to be like this for 18 months at least. Like Duncan Garner, the University of Auckland's occupational medicine specialist, Professor Des Gorman, also reckoned there was no point remaining at level three any longer. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, in fact, as we wait, we are incurring not just economic damage and not just a growing uh, insult to our economy, We are generating uh, financial hardship and we're generating unemployment, Duncan, which is going to cause a far greater health burden than anything this virus has caused in terms of our epidemic. Professor Gorman said he spoke as a clinician, not an epidemiologist, but he insisted that this was not just his opinion. This is not soft science. This is hard science. The hard science is that unemployment is directly linked to ill health. And in fact, a little while ago, the College of Physicians, of which I'm a fellow, we had to put out a, a notice to our members, please stop putting people off work, you're harming their health. Unemployment is very bad for your health and we're actually creating a much bigger problem than one we're trying to fix. Now that argument that the economic damage of the lockdown and specifically unemployment could cause more health problems than the actual virus has been running for a while now, tied to the push to get more businesses up and running again. But it completely contradicts the official message so far that a healthy economy can only be supported by a healthy country as Duncan Garner himself pointed out. Your colleagues, your peers, um, you know, fellow uh, physicians and so forth, what did they say to you? Uh, the majority are strongly supportive. It's interesting, Duncan, there is very strong support, but at the moment it's silent. And the reason why I think it's silent is that people manage stress by placing faith in authority figures and faith in government. And right now they're too frightened to speak out for fear of, of a backlash. And so I think at the moment 
People are saying to me, thank goodness you raised these issues, thank goodness you brought these things to the fore. I'm totally supportive of you and I'm happy to do so quietly from the background. Yeah, no, no, well done. You're a permanent honorary member of this program. Um, we do like um, not so much dissenting voices, but decent voices that um, speak truth to power. Now, as we've heard on Media Watch previously, the Plan B group of academics advocating looser lockdowns also complained of being shut down, but they had no trouble being heard by the media last month. Indeed, one of them, Dr Simon Thornley, was also on Heather Duplessy Allen's drive show on News Talk ZB on Tuesday, another day of no new coronavirus cases. Zero cases. Does this strengthen the argument that we should really be in level two? Absolutely. I think there's two questions here. There's one is how serious is the virus and uh, what's the trend in New Zealand? And then the other question is, do lockdowns work to prevent uh, the virus spread? So the answer to the latter, I think, is that they don't work and that we need to come out of it as soon as possible. And on News Talk ZB, Dr Thornley went on to repeat his argument that we should have had the Australian lockdown rules all along, even though there was no knowledge of quite how that would play out when they set their course. Professor Gorman was also on 9 to noon on RNZ National last Thursday, saying that the focus should now be on setting rules for businesses to operate safely based on what we now know about coronavirus, rather than schedules of prohibitions attached to the official alert levels. So the dissenting views then are out there in our media. But on Monday, the AM show co-host Mark Richardson leapt in with this. Uh, Des Gorman, 24 past six. Yeah, could we perhaps stop using social media as a social barometer? Because it's not. Your request is to the Prime Minister? I, I think it's to everyone, to the media, to the PM, to... Uh, it's social media is not an accurate snapshot... That's opinion-based. Of, ..of the majority's opinion. Now, that was an interesting plea. That very morning, the AM show itself was polling its audience on social media on the crucial question, when should we move to level two? Interestingly, more than three quarters of the respondents chose either next week as planned or they said they favoured extending level three even further. Less than a quarter said we should move to level two right now, in spite of the show's host, Duncan Garner, insisting that not doing so will cost lives later on find ways, Prime Minister, to allow New Zealand businesses, for goodness sake, let's get on with this. Our approach is now turning a whole new kind of deadly. It's killing Kiwi jobs, killing Kiwi businesses, and that too is a genuine and serious risk. That same day, a group of scientists warned that our social cohesion will be under pressure in a new discussion paper from Koitu, the Centre for Informed Futures at the University of Auckland. And among them was the Centre's chair, Sir Peter Gluckman, a former Prime Minister's science advisor, who was also on the AM show on Monday, and TVNZ's breakfast show, after which John Campbell put these concerns to the Prime Minister herself. Uh, we've heard from Paul Blair from Infrastructure New Zealand, from Sir Peter Gluckman, from, from, from Rodney Jones, all of whom are saying, boy, uh, it's a precarious balancing act. But I'm looking at the advice you're getting. Professor Michael Baker, I think we need more time at level three. Simon Bridges, I think it's gone on too long. Let's get New Zealand working again. How the hell do you balance those conflicting, almost antithetical viewpoints? But when the AM show's Duncan Garner asked Professor Des Gorman about that on Monday, he put it this way. Managing of pandemics is very hard, of course, but where we've seen it overmanaged, perhaps um, too zealously, and where people have lost jobs and there have been you know, community sickness like suicide, which we have uh, too high rates anyway. Have we seen it before? Yes, look, it's a very well-recognised pattern that after any 
uh, catastrophic event or any major event or any event which threatens people's well-being, there is a subsequent spike in health problems, and not just mental health problems, Duncan, the physical health problems too. Put simply, financial hardship and unemployment is very bad for your health in generic terms. Now, Dr Gorman's answer in generic terms sidestepped Duncan Gardner's inference there that the economic fallout from the extended coronavirus lockdown would cause a spike in suicides. And that was a live issue in the media last weekend when claims that it already had were made online, citing a police source. Now, these rumours were then circulated to thousands of people before being debunked. Media Watch's Hayden Donnell looked at how that happened and the worrying speed with which that misinformation was spread. It's on the Media Watch page of the RNZ website. But while mainstream media creditably didn't report that rogue claim as news last weekend, it did report the reaction on Monday. Over the weekend, rumours were flying across social media that suicide rates have increased over lockdown. Well, the rumours were met with a strongly worded statement from the Mental Health Foundation that there is no truth to that rumour and that is irresponsible, dangerous and untrue. So with that in mind, we wanted to talk to uh, the Mental Health Foundation about these claims and how to help people who are particularly vulnerable right now. Mental Health Foundation Chief Executive Sean Roberts joins me now. Any idea where these rumours have come from? I'm not exactly sure, but um, someone uh, did suggest that they came from a blogger who is also renowned for denying that the coronavirus actually exists. So certainly not a credible source, that's for sure. That was TVNZ's breakfast show. And not only were those claims inaccurate, according to the Mental Health Foundation's Sean Robinson, they were also irresponsible because those rumours and their accompanying commentary, he said, imply that suicide is an expected response to COVID-19. But back on the 17th of April, a stuff story claimed suicide would rise significantly after COVID-19, according to a new report by Sir Peter Gluckman's Centre for Informed Futures at the University of Auckland. The centre's slogan is, in evidence we trust, so that is a worrying claim. But the centre's report didn't actually say that. It said more people may suffer a form of PTSD as the recession deepens in the future, and as a result, incidences of acting out, depression, anxiety and suicidality would grow as well, according to the report, especially among younger people. But suicidality, which covers serious thoughts about suicide and other behaviours, is not the same thing as suicide. The centre's next paper, released last Monday, which is called He Oranga Ho, Social Cohesion in a Post-COVID World, said that those who never expected to be unemployed may exhibit even greater rates of suicidality and be less likely to get help. International research, such as in the UK's medical journal The Lancet recently, have also made the same warnings. But The Lancet explicitly said that it didn't mean a suicide surge was inevitable or even necessarily more likely. And here and overseas, experts are already on the lookout for this, as TVNZ reported just before Wednesday's daily COVID-19 briefing. Well, Kiwi researchers have joined an international effort to study how the lockdown is affecting those who live with mood disorders. The University of Otago in Christchurch will investigate whether the significant change in routine is affecting those with conditions like depression or bipolar disorder. Participants will be interviewed through an online survey and it's hoped the results will help people across the world as widespread isolation continues. Now, when those rumours hit social media last weekend, the Deputy Director General of Mental Health, Robin Shearer, and the Director of the Suicide Prevention Office, Carla Nagara, issued a joint statement that said, it is not inevitable there will be a significant increase in serious mental health issues or suicides. 
data from previous international crises, they said, have shown they might even decrease. It's vital we focus on preserving life rather than speculating about the likelihood of ending it, they concluded. And they could have added that suicide speculation shouldn't be used as a tool by media hosts here, seeking to influence our political leaders' choices in a crisis and telling the public those decisions will be deadly.